Hey y'all, this is Sarah Mel. Welcome to Phases of the Womb Podcast. My name is Jamon Jenna. I am an OBGYN in private practice in Wichita Falls, Texas, which is just north of Dallas. Um, born and raised in La Plaza, Louisiana. I graduated from East St. John back in 2008. And then I went on to Xavier. I played basketball for four years. And I graduated from there in 2012 and then went to LSU for med school from 2012 to 2016. And then I did my OBGYN residency from 16 to 20 at LSU as well. Okay. All right. So why did you choose to um, go to med school and why specifically did you choose OBGYN? So I wanted to do med school because I wanted to do something with the sciences and then, um, you know, giving back to people, helping people. I felt like being a physician was, um, was the best for my, for my intelligence. It was the best use of, of, of my intelligence, particularly in the science field. Mm-hmm. And then my original plan was to do orthopedics. Okay. So I knew I knew professional basketball wasn't for me. So being a, a sports a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon was my way to, to stay in basketball. Okay. Was not for me. I shadowed some uh orthopedists and when I was going into my second year, I was like, Yeah, in a way. <laughs> and um and then honestly O B was like the last thing that I thought I was going to do. So I remember going into third year, I was like, All right. I can do, I'm open-minded to pretty much everything. OB is probably going to be the nastiest thing in the world. <laughs> so I'm not going to like it. And then I did my third year rotation and it was, it ended up being the only thing that I actually liked. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much surgery OBGYNs do. Mm-hmm. Like half of my life is, is in the operating room. Yeah. Which is good. And then you also get primary care. So most specialties you either surgical Oh, your primary care. Mm-hmm. We, we we really do both. So, like, I can take care of my pregnant patients, even when they're younger, through their adulthood, through late in life, um, and kind of with that con- continuity of care with that same person. So that's pretty cool. Okay. And then, um, and then you know, bringing life into the world is nothing better than that. Yeah, it's pretty dope. I ain't gonna lie, I was yes. kind of the, the same way. Like, I really didn't even think about like maternity and all this other stuff till I got to nursing school and then it was like my second to last semester and I'm like I hate everything like what am I doing and then I went and I was like oh no I want to do this this is really cool (laughs) especially when you're as an as a as a registered nurse Mm -hmm. because you get a lot of autonomy on lately yeah like you could basically do your thing with your with your patients yep and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I remember you was a little bright eyed and bushy tail when you first started. <laughs> and was. <laughs> and was. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And y'all got me out here taking care of people. All right, that's cool. 
That's funny. That was a long time ago, bro. That was seven years ago. Yeah, wait, was it? Yeah, what? Yeah, it yeah. was. Jesus Christ. That was an intern. Yep, that was a minute. Well, look at you, a whole doctor. That's crazy. Doctor, doctor. That's crazy. That's crazy. It I is. I say it every day. That's crazy. <laughs> but, um, all right, so you've worked here, and now you're in Texas. I'm mm-hmm. just curious, because um, I mean, I've as a travel nurse, I've worked different places, and I see a lot of the same challenges within like the mm-hmm. South. So I'm just curious, what challenges um, have you seen that you know you like to work on or change or just like have some type of impact on within this field? I mean, I still think health equity, mm-hmm. and so one of the the reasons why like I don't really want to practice in a bigger city um, is because, you know, in order to make a good living, you have to be in private practice. And if you're in real private practice, you don't get to take care of the the medically indigent patients, like the people who are on Medicaid, the people who are under insured. Mm-hmm. And so out here, I can do that. I, I, we have, um, we take all the Medicaid patients, we take, patients who don't have insurance and we can get them insurance with our, with our hospital. Mm-hmm. And so the, the biggest thing is health equity and getting patients who don't have a ride, who don't have the best health literacy mm-hmm. in the world. Cause like I have patients who, um, who like will show up to their appointment 15 minutes late. And then like one of their policies is that, well, if you're 10 minutes late, like you can't, we, we won't see you. Right. But if I'm like, no, have them come in. We need to figure out why they're late. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that mindset is one thing that we all need to get better at. Yeah. What is going on with our patient mm-hmm. for they're late or they're not presenting their care until 28 weeks or mm-hmm. whatever it is that they have going on. Yep. Um, I think another thing is that you have patients who have different issues so like those who use drugs or whatever mm-hmm. like particularly with our pregnant patients mm-hmm. patients who use drugs a patient who had certain psychiatric diagnoses even that some people are like oh, i don't want to take care of them but then i'm like well then who those are the people who need to care the most exactly and so that's another thing that i think that we all as providers should should be better at like, mm-hmm. those are the people who really need to care more than anybody else yeah and I feel like it kind of sucks, though, because you kind of I feel like it's easy to get kind of jaded in those situations because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to do so much. But then you also don't have the resources like um, I was in the clinic um, a couple weeks ago and this girl was experiencing postpartum depression and um, the doctor was like, oh, you know, see what her insurance will cover. Right. Um, she had Medicaid or whatever. No, did she have Medicaid? I don't know who she had. I think it was Medicaid. And um, see what her insurance will cover, see what's available. And it's like, you really don't have that many options for people. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that I had just talked to Shanika, who mm-hmm. at her new um, clinic has a mental health person there that'll see people through medicaid 
like for free that I just yeah. was like, I just talked to her and I can just send her a referral. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's so few and far between that. It's like, you know, it, it sucks because you want to help, but it's like, what? I need more resources, <laughs> but how do we get those resources? Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing here. Like they don't, all uh, we don't have, we don't have a lot of psychiatrists here. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have inpatient psychiatry at all. Mm. And so one of my partners had an issue or um, had a patient who was actively, I want to say she was, she was schizophrenic and she was actively psychotic. Yeah. And um, I can't remember if she was in labor or not. She may have been, but like we didn't have someone there to help us take care of her. Cause you can't just go to the psychiatric hospital if you're 39 weeks pregnant and right. labor and all, if you're right. one week, like if you're a day postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just don't have a lot of outpatient psychiatry either. We just got, um, telepsychiatry what I can that I can do for people but the, as I've been here the longer I've been here I'm learning about the different mental health resources here in the area mm-hmm. and so even in the places that do have those resources everybody needs to know that they exist yeah. so the patient can actually get to it mm-hmm. agree alright so um it was kind of the same for me. I didn't know anything about uh, midwives before I got to Turo. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, while you were in residency, you had the opportunity to work at a place that actually had midwives, which mm-hmm. I feel like isn't super common in the South. Not Well, it's getting more common. I'm going to say that. Yeah. But I know a lot of places that I've worked in the South don't really have midwives in practice in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think, you know... When people talk about midwives, it's like people talk directly in contrast to like OBs and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm just curious um, how what are are your beliefs on midwives? I'm actually that. I'm actually that. Midwives completely have their space and their. There are a certain group of patients who midwives are made for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be your relatively low-risk patients yeah, um, who mm-hmm. have certain thoughts about what their labor process mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even think it's necessarily um, like when people say that we as doctors push more medical intervention versus midwives do less medical intervention. I don't even think that that's the that's necessarily the the only thing is just mm-hmm. um it it it, it just kind of it just depends i think that that's probably a part of it but um i think the way that it may just even be in the way that the way that midwives learn mid, midwifery because it's a, a nursing specialty right um, mm-hmm. the way that you guys learn it's just completely different from what we learn and what we right. know to do mm-hmm. and so it's a different perspective that's not neither perspective is wrong or right mm-hmm. um it just whatever works for a particular patient yeah and so whichever works for the patient by all means absolutely mm-hmm. okay. and so you're right i don't think of it as a, a a direct contrast i think it's more of a spectrum probably more than anything yeah. it's probably a better way to look at it mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, um, 
I for sure think midwives do great work. They belong in the in the field. They belong. They deserve. They should have their patients, patients to go to them, um, and feel and feel confident that they're still going to get okay. best care possible. So, how do you think? Because um, I feel like. Like doing the phases of the womb page and stuff like that. I do attract a lot of, um, what word do I want to use? Very natural, natural patients. That's a good word to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just very much so anti-hospital, anti, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, Which, I mean, I've worked in the hospital, so I think, Every situation is different and every situation calls for different things. But um, how do you think, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, how do you think midwives and OBs can work together, I guess, to, you know, change, I guess, perspectives? Of like, you know, I want a midwife versus an OB because OBs do this. Or I want an OB versus a midwife because I'm not trying to deliver in the middle of a field. You know, you get what I'm saying? Like, how do you, <laughs> like, how do you think, like, we can better, I guess, um, work together for, like, our common goals? I guess if that's a I good see. enough question. I feel like that's a, a lot. <laughs> I think the, I, I think I know what you're getting at. I think the. The overarching thing that both sides can do is if patients have questions about so if a patient comes to me about like I've had a I've had a patient who came to me and asked them and asked me about what I feel about a midwife and delivering at the birthing center and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we should be completely objective. Yeah. And the way that you explain it to them and explain it to patients. I think um I think the way that we explain and counsel patients is, is the most important thing mm-hmm. in general because people come to you about everything and say, well, I saw this on TikTok mm-hmm. or I heard mm-hmm. this from there and I heard this from there. I'm like, well, actually, that's not true because of X, Y, Z. And so mm-hmm. I think just explaining exactly what a midwife does or a midwife explaining actually what the function of having a, a physician as opposed to a midwife is. Mm-hmm. And I think letting a patient make whatever decision that they want to make from there um, is fine. And then support the patient in that in that decision. So yeah. if I had a patient, we have a birth center here. If I had a patient come to me and they said, well, I really want to deliver with the midwife. How do you feel about that? Um, I want to deliver at the birth center and not at the hospital. Um, I try to be as objective as possible. Mm-hmm. Right, so for instance, in my opinion, I don't, I don't think anybody should deliver at home. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of deliveries that happen go fine, and it'll probably be fine. But I think the risk of, you know, I've seen things go from good to bad in less than a second. Yeah, and so that's just my personal opinion. And so if I'm, if a patient comes to ask me that, I try to be objective about my reasoning. While also saying, yeah, it's probably going to be fine, um, but there's this inherent risk. But if that's a, if you're if you're comfortable with taking that risk, mm-hmm. that is your prerogative, and I'm not going to tell you you're dumb, you're crazy for for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should help get that patient on to someone who would help them deliver it on, so that they yeah. can have 
whatever it is that they want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of the a lot of the issues I feel like that I hear about come from because it's that lack of um what words I want to use just educating people on yeah. their like you okay they want they want to deliver at home now whether or not we gonna have our own personal preferences and it's like whether or not I believe that you should do X Y and Z like okay you're gonna do it anyway how can I make sure you do it safely and I feel like a lot of yeah. people have a lot of ego about a lot of things yeah. and just be like you want to do that that's on you and yeah. um I feel like that's that's where, you know, a lot of us fail patients yeah. by not providing them with what they need. You know what I'm saying? hundred percent. hundred percent. And then I think and and I try my I try my best to be conscious of this all the time. You know how they say medicine is a very paternalistic thing. Mm-hmm. And so I try to like I have my so let's say I'm inducing somebody. Mm-hmm. Like I have my okay, I wanna for the majority of my inductions, I want to do side attack. I want to do a cooks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this baby. This baby's going to be out in less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But I need to. I have to make sure that I'm explaining it in a way that well, this is an option. This is what my preference. It works like this. This is why I like to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't want me to put a cooks in because it's uncomfortable, that's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. And I want you to feel like you you you're comfortable enough to tell me like, hey, let's get her. That thing hurts. I'm worried that it's going to hurt. I don't think I really want that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. And so I think just trying to understand what it is that the patient wants as opposed to what you think they should do um, is, is, is important as well. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, everything in medicine is risk versus benefits mm-hmm. and alternatives mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day it's the patient's decision <clears throat> exactly and that's the biggest and, thing and so if a patient wants to go against what i recommend mm-hmm. that's fine if something bad happens while i'm doing that for them that's why i was trained i was trained to just to make that go better for them if something bad happens to get them out of that situation mm-hmm. and that's that's why i feel like i was that's what that's what we were trained to do right and so as long as the patients understand whatever the risks of whatever it is, mm-hmm. then, okay, this is, this is your body, this is your life, this is your everything that you want to do, mm-hmm. we're going to get this done for you. And I think that's great. Like, I, I literally had a friend, was it last year? Yeah, before last. How old is he? I think it was last year. I don't remember. Last year or the year before last. But I remember her calling me. <laughs> she texted me. Her first baby was C-section like uh-huh. seven years ago. Um, uh-huh. It sounds like it was just a rushed induction and, uh-huh. you know, failure to progress. Was going ahead yeah. and have a section situation versus yeah. like, you know, whatever. Um so she texts me about VBACs. And I was like, you know, uh-huh. I've been a lot of places that do VBACs. I've seen a lot of them turn out fine. I don't know what happened exactly with your first delivery. But, uh-huh. you know, ask about it. So she went back to her. <laughs> she went back to her first OB and says to her. <laughs> oh, no, I don't do those. Your uterus going to rupture. So let's just put you on the schedule for a section. Mind you, she was eight weeks. Like, oh, wow. 
And she was like, so she texted me. She was like, well, you know, I really don't want that to happen to me. Um, you know, I'm really nervous, you know, but I really, really, really feel like I didn't get a chance to try the first time and blah, blah, whatever. I was like, you know, you could talk to somebody else. Like you don't have to, you know, whatever. She went to another doctor in the same facility who specialized in taking care of V-bags and sis delivered without an induction on her due date with no complications. Yeah, and I was just like, you know, yes, I know things can go bad, but like you can't just tell people, oh no, your uterus is gonna rupture. I'm not doing it. Like, give people, yeah. tell people, okay, there's a risk of this, mm-hmm. but then you know it could also be fine. You don't just right. you don't just do that to people. I was when she told me that I was like, Sarah, don't say nothing, don't say nothing, don't say nothing. Yeah. Like I was just like, that is not okay though. That's not okay. So yeah. I definitely. And, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just think it's important to just give people, you give people everything and remember that, you know, we're counseling and giving our expertise. But at the end of the day, it's their bodies and their decisions. They got to make their own decisions for themselves. And we're not going to always agree. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's that might be one of the hardest things to kind of cope with. Like, yeah, I feel like you're doing something kind of crazy. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's your business. Yeah. And then, so there are providers who just, who won't do mm-hmm. V-backs, Tolex, for whatever reason. And most of the time it's because they've had a bad outcome mm-hmm. and they don't want to do that. And that's fine. That's their, that's the way that they practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should, 100%, you should counsel a patient completely objectively. Mm-hmm. You can, you can, you can explain to a patient what your thoughts of it are but you should, you should explain it in a way that's not try to sway them one way or another right um and then if they were like if the patient is like well i really want to try for a vaginal delivery then you'd be like hey well i can send you for a second opinion i send people for second opinions all the time right sometimes i don't know or i can get the vibe from the patient that they don't feel like i'm taking whatever it is that they're saying seriously because mm-hmm. Whatever it is, their thought is what happened, and their thoughts of what ha- what is happening with them, mm-hmm. and what I what I feel like is going on is two completely different things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, if, they, if I'm like, look, you can get a second opinion. I mean, I, I feel like I'm right, but I, you know, I've been wrong before, or somebody else may have a different. I mean, even this once they hear you talk about your story, they may have a a different perspective on it that maybe I'm I could even be missing. Right. And so, I mean, just send somebody, send them for a second opinion. Like that's not that's not the the worst thing in the world. So at the end of the day, you got to do what's what's right for your patient. Exactly. And then I also I also think people need to understand that if you got a doctor that you don't trust or that's saying something that you don't think is right, or you got to get somebody new. Yep. You don't you don't have to just stay with that patient that's not even to say that that doctor's a bad person or mm-hmm. even whatever it is that they're doing it still may it may be right but if you don't feel comfortable if you don't feel confident in that person then that's not a good patient physician relationship and you need to find somebody else that you trust yep agree i mean i tell people that all the time too like you know i feel like it's a pregnancy is a very you know important moment in your life you know you don't want just I mean, can you choose anybody and deliver your baby with anybody? Yeah, whatever, fine. But if you want to feel comfortable, like, it's okay to go meet people and be like, 
I don't know, like, you know, they're not really a good fit for me. Okay, choose somebody else. And that's okay. And I think people forget, like, you have a choice in that. You don't have to, you don't have to, like, have a provider that you're uncomfortable with. Like, I don't know how we got to a point where people think they have to just do certain things. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, you ain't gotta do nothing. Okay. Everything it's all it's you do whatever you want to, basically. (laughs) My job is not to tell you what to do or what not to do, Mm it's to give you the risks, give you the benefits, give you the alternatives, and then I let you make a decision. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. Let's switch gears a bit. So you have a son. Um, you were you were you still in residency? When you yeah, had? I was a chief. Okay, he was born in October of my chief year. Okay, so what was your experience like um, with the birth of your son, knowing what you already know? Because I feel like being on the that side of it, I don't know. For me, like when I think about like if I have a kid, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be stressed out because. I'm going to yeah. just be thinking about everything I didn't see. <laughs> everything Every- that possibly go wrong. Yes. So how did you so, how did you deal with that? So her pregnancy was, was fine okay. for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then while in labor, you had the absolute worst fetal heart rate tracing I've ever seen. Oh, good God. <laughs> it was like, well, not the worst, because it wasn't like, all right, we needed to like emergently cut him. But it mm-hmm. was like awful. Like any type of little movement she made, he was deselling. Okay. And so that part, I was like, man, of course, this is what would, this is what would happen. Mm-hmm. But um, that process was a little stressful. His strip was like, I pulled it up the next day and I like showed it to everybody. I'm like, oh, they're like, oh yeah, that's bad. We probably should have cut her a long time ago. Um, but then like that part and then. When he was born, he had TTN, so he was oh. in the uh, he was in the nursery the whole first day. Okay. And so that was like, all right, y'all stressing me out. Like, stop telling me he coming in an hour and he coming for tomorrow. Like, you're mm-hmm. stressing me out. Mm-hmm. And so then, at that point, you go from because I ain't an expert in little babies, <laughs> right? I'm an expert <laughs> in pregnancy support. I can get the baby out, but like little babies, I ain't an expert in this part. And so, like, even just that transition from being in the hospital from before he was born to after he was born. Mm-hmm. Now my expertise, at least in terms of him, is like, it's is, is not there. Like, mm-hmm. I know some basic stuff, but like, dang, I got to go home and take care of this kid now. Yeah. And so all of the stuff that happened, like throughout the pregnancy, in the immediate postpartum area, era, and a little bit further postpartum, um, I just learned, I was able to learn a lot. I learned a lot like one-on-one about what happens in the postpartum period. Mm-hmm. And so I can help. I feel like before that time when I was in residency, I mean, you just go based off of what you read and what you what you learn, like what should happen and what should go on in the postpartum period. Mm-hmm. But now that I know and I'm going through it, I can not like completely empathize with my patient because I'm not the woman that delivered the baby. Yeah. But I can kind of see like, okay, and even from whatever a patient tells me, like what's going on with their partner, and you know, I have that side of it as mm-hmm. well. Like I mm-hmm. was the I was the partner, 
And so just helping my patients with ways of trying to help interact with their partner to help them get whatever it is that they need. I think uh, I think one of the things that happens in a postpartum period is that um, a lot of women feel like they just need to, they have to do everything mm-hmm. and then as opposed to asking for help or accepting help. Yeah. Like asking for help and accepting help is, is, is mandatory. Like you have to take care of a, a newborn. It's like wild. I don't even understand how that's like a thing and how people been doing that for forever. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't, without modern medicine, like I don't, I don't, I don't really understand, but I mean, um, that all of that whole process was a, a big learning. It's one of, it's probably was the, the biggest learning thing that I had while I was in residency period. Like I learned how to do a bunch of stuff, but I feel like that was a really good learning experience mm-hmm. for me. And you think it helps you care for your patients better? Oh, for sure. Because <laughs> for sure, we have a lot of uh, our patients, our patient population here, there's a lot of uh, like depression and anxiety at baseline. Mm-hmm. And so it's like really heightened in the postpartum period mm-hmm. too. And then like trying to help, trying to help my patients figure out, okay, what is the trigger of that extra anxiety, extra whatever it is that you got going on and trying to figure out what it is that we need to help you. Mm-hmm. So it, this sounds like it's a, uh, a relationship issue. I should send you to a therapist. Mm-hmm. This sounds like I need to put you on a medicine. This mm-hmm. sounds like you need, you probably need both and I need to see you every week. Yeah. So we're not missing anything. Mm-hmm. And so that for sure has helped me, especially in, in that area. Cause I think that's, yeah, I, we can. They can teach me how to take a uterus out. They can teach me how to deliver a baby. They can mm-hmm. teach me how to relieve a shoulder dystocia. Mm-hmm. But you can't really teach me how to help this person like cope with their whatever their postpartum experience yeah. is. So that for sure has helped me a lot, That's and I feel like I've 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 been able to reach a lot of patients and help them out in that process a lot better. That's good because I feel like that's the part that I mean, obviously you know, this whole process is ever changing and, you know, uh-huh. we keep seeing things that we feel like can be better, or whatever. And I feel like, um, postpartum care is very lacking in this uh-huh. country. And I feel like we miss a lot of things. So For I sure. feel like, you know, being able to, to be aware that, you know, these postpartum like mood disorders and everything else just the changes exist yeah. um and being able to just speak to people in a way because you have that experience you know yeah i feel like that's very beneficial and very needed yeah for sure all right so um what advice um would you like to give um i guess fathers um as a father and as an OBGYN? Um, the delivery time, the postpartum time is not about you. <laughs> and so it's, it's all about trying to figure out how you can help the best way for, for you to help. 
and and understanding that this woman just pushed out a a bowling ball of her vagina <laughs> or just had a really major surgery. Not a bowling and ball. literally a bowling ball, sometimes bigger. <laughs> um and like that just happened and her thoughts, feelings, whatever can be all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it could be irrational, it could be completely irrational, but it's rationally irrational if it is, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's on you to be a good communicator. It's on you to just figure out how you can best help and understand and realize that it ain't about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it ain't about you. I think that's the that's probably the that's the biggest thing that I would say. Mm-hmm. It ain't about you. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Anything that you would like to touch on that we didn't touch on? I wanted to bring up what we were talking about the the contrast between um, physicians and midwives yeah. and bringing up doulas. Yes. And so, and there's and there's literature that having a doula makes your outcomes better. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in residency, um, you know, there was a, a thing like, oh, this patient has a doula. Oh, oh man, why do they have a doula? Blah, blah, blah. And so I think if you can get a doula, you should have one by all means. That's like your extra support person that somebody else, another person to advocate for you who may even be able to just communicate whatever it is that you want better so that everybody else can can understand and even if it's just those just that's the only reason or if the only reason that we have a doula is just for support Mm -hmm. by all means you should you should you should get one and so i think like even again going back to the way that um we explain things to patients you should explain everything objectively mm-hmm. and so my first not my first experiences my first what i first heard about doodles is that oh they're just gonna not do they're gonna do the opposite of whatever you say and it's gonna be antagonistic and and blah 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 and every doula that i've that i've worked with have been have been great yeah um they they help participate in that shared decision-making thing. Mm-hmm. They Sometimes the patient isn't as comfortable asking you a question as they are asking a doula, yeah. or they'll be more comfortable with the doula asking you the question because they don't want to feel like they're being confrontational. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of that is is great, and I've only had really good experiences with, with doulas. That's beautiful. You better speak on doula care. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's very true. I remember, like, I don't know. I feel like I was... I got a different, um, I'm trying to see how to explain it. When I was at Toro, you know how, like, you only had a certain few nurses that actually Mm -hmm. liked to care for midwife, birth plan, doula patients. And that's who I trained with. So... Mm -hmm. 
that's just what my foundation was. We had doulas. I had the midwives. I, you know, I had the birth plans, you know, and I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. different. So when people used to be like, oh, she has a birth plan, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, like, what is the big deal? And honestly, as a nurse, give me a doula so I don't have to be in the room 24-7 because I got a whole nother patient. (laughs) Like, why are we upset? Let me know. Like, I don't know. And that's that ego thing. I think that's, I honest to God, think it's a lot of it. I mean, every, every profession has their thing. They have, I mean, I have worked with some doulas that overstep. I will say that I have, but at the end of the day, I feel like the vast majority, like they're not saying anything wrong. They are, their job is to advocate for their patient. And I mean, I mean, for their, their client. But I mean, that's what they're going to do. Now, that client may not necessarily agree with what you want to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, it's their decision. You can't get mad at the doula for advocating. That's what they're getting paid for. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. I love doulas. They make me happy. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like the, what is the word I'm looking for? Like with the, um, the birth plan mm-hmm. patients. I'm I'm doing air quotes here. Mm-hmm. Like a birth plan is not a a bad thing. Like right. just like you said, they may have just like you know there are, there are some bad doctors out there. Mm-hmm. There are some doulas who overstep. There are some patients who have kind of really wild birth plans. But the vast majority of people are not like that. Exactly. Um, and so I mean, just we all should just. Accept our patients, figure out what it is that they like. If that doesn't align with what you as a provider wants to do, helping them find someone who can help give them that experience. And then we just keep pushing. That's it. Like, that's it. For real, because people be doing the most. People be doing the most. <laughs> do it the most. Like, you ain't got to go on with that, baby. Like, let that girl do what she <laughs> want. And if it turned out wrong, she going to know that she had... Everything explains that you do your job, cover yeah, your ass, explain as as you, exactly. As long as you you counsel the patient appropriately, mm-hmm. it's on it's on them to make a decision. Yeah, if something go bad, then you you you, you get them out of that bad situation. That's what you're trained for. Yeah, and so that's the way that I that's the way that I look at. It. That's the way that that's mm-hmm. the outlook I try to have. If I'm explaining you this, this, and this. If it's just something that I'm not comfortable, like if you come to me with three C-section telling me you want to be back, <laughs> I'm going to be like, look, this is your risk. I, I'm not, I'm personally, I'm not comfortable doing that. Right. I don't really know if you're going to find somebody comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. We could try. Right. But like, I've, like, I've, I've, I've be back a lady who had two C-sections. She had two passion delivered before mm-hmm. those. And she did just fine. And so, um, yeah, man, just figuring out what your patient wants, what they what they need and then helping them helping them get there i think is the the most important thing we shouldn't not see people just because they don't do whatever that you you say right like if you if you want to if you want to be back and your service is closed Mm -hmm. and you're like 42 weeks now like (laughs) all right we can we can try (laughs) i mean we can try it ain't, it ain't hurt me to, to help you. It ain't hurt me to, for you to for us to try. So right. I understand. Yeah. Why not? And then if something urgent, emergent happens, that's what I was trained for. And right. we get you out of it. Right. 
Exactly. And I just feel like keeping keeping an open mind about stuff. Like I I I don't I'm gonna say this. I was trained, you know where I was trained at, and we've mm-hmm. seen some stuff. Lots mm-hmm. of crazy stuff and um like initially when I went to school um I was like I think it would be cool to like train at a birth center to see another side because like I Mm -hmm. I know initially I was just like hell not like (laughs) like no like I'm I'm not with it just because I've seen so much but then like the more I went to school, the more I had experiences with people who have like worked or been in these settings, you know, I realized like, I mean, I don't know everything. Every situation ain't the situations I've been in. And, you know, just because I don't know about something or I'm fearful about something don't mean I should just be like, write it off and be like, nah, that's not safe. Like I can't, I personally can't say that. I don't right. know, but I think right. it's just, it's all about just keeping an open mind and just giving people whatever knowledge we didn't went to school for and whatever, whatever knowledge from our experiences and just right. letting people be people. Cause at the end of I the day, them. they patients, but they're people. They're people. They grown ass people. Exactly. Day. So they could do whatever they want. Cause I'm yeah. gonna go to my house and you're gonna go to your house and exactly. we're gonna be ourselves respectively <laughs> right. Right. but that's all i got you got anything else i don't think so i think the doula the doula thing i really wanted to get there yeah and i and appreciate then, that i do appreciate yeah. that and then patients understanding that at the end of the day every medical decision that happens is up to them yep like if from the from you wanting to go get your you get your COVID vaccine or not to you having a heart attack and you need a cabbage and if you say you don't want to if you don't want the surgery you don't want the surgery that's right. up to you right at the end of the day it's all up to you yeah. and all patients I think everybody should should understand that and like voice their opinions about everything don't feel like you're being confrontational because you're voicing your opinion about something yep Exactly. There's a way to go about it. Agree. There's a way to go about it, but you know, if you if you have a question, if you have a problem, I probably my patients are probably laugh. If if you went to them and they'd be like, What's one thing you can remember Dr. Killer Dr. Kenner saying in the office? And I say, What questions do you have? Or what questions you got really what I say. I probably mm-hmm. say it five times every time I'm in a in a room with a patient. Mm-hmm. Um as opposed to, especially as opposed to, do you have any questions? Yeah. Because I know you got questions, exactly. so just ask them. And exactly. ask them away. It don't matter how long we take. We just, we can get it figured out for you. Love it. Love it. Well, I am proud of you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you didn't came a long way, child. Hey, you ain't got to say it like that. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you weren't good before. I'm just saying you like, a, a, like you're not a resident no more. You a whole ass doctor. And look at you finally trying to be in a midwife. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. Yes, I am. My dog went to midwife school eight years ago. <laughs> and now she wanna 
fulfill her dreams. I'm like, man, it's going crazy. Listen, listen. I had goals, and travel nursing was making me meet my goals. So oh my I had to do that, you know? I feel you. I ain't no <laughs> But this year, 2023, midwife. Midwife, I'm doing all that. <laughs> I believe it when I see it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. I appreciate right. you taking out the time sure. to talk to me. Yeah, no problem. All right. All right. All right. Bye. So I just want to say thank you so much to Dr. Kenner for coming on and talking to us today. I hope you guys got something from that. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram at underscore phases of the womb. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, write a review, send me a message, do whatever the social media world does. I don't really know all the things. And make sure you catch our womb Wednesday coming up and our next podcast episode on Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.